had enough? Ready to turn your career into your own consulting and coaching business? You're in the right place. I'm Betsy Jordan, and with my background as a consultant, entrepreneur, and personal brand builder, I'm here to give you inspiration and guidance to own your brilliance, shape your brand, articulate your message, and get seen and paid as the expert that you already are. This is Enough Already, the place for consultants and coaches to learn how to create businesses and lives that they love. Listen into a powerful conversation around how you can go from the C-suite to becoming a coach to the C-suite with Adam Schwartz. Welcome, Adam. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Okay, so I'm super excited to have you on this show and on the podcast because you and I have a long history outside of being sort of um, siblings in a spiritual way. <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about just real quick who you are and what your business is all about. Sure. Well, um, uh, in relation to what you just said before I get into that, I, I was thinking earlier we've probably logged maybe 200 hours, maybe more of conversation together and talking about all manner of things, never really having a structure, um, but in the end, always feeling completely fulfilled, both of us, uh, in terms of what we're able to share and how we're able to help each other. But we've never recorded it before. No, and we've, never really, we've never shared it with the outside world at all. So, you know, I'm coming to this with the same type of, okay, I answered the phone, you're calling, you've got an issue, a problem, a question. And we just dive into it and just pull it apart and see what we can find. So uh, that's about as much preparation as I've done for this this morning. And uh, I hope that's suitable. I know it will be, but I just wanted to mark this occasion as the first time that we are actually putting this somewhere to memorialize it. So thank you for having me on your program. Um, I'm excited to be here. And uh, yeah, happy to talk about how I arrived at being a coach to the C-suite um, and uh, and how I can help your viewers and listeners in that same regard, I, I hope that this will be helpful for them as well. Well, I think 200 hours is kind of like not accurate. I think it's a whole lot more considering, <laughs> you know, the way you and I could go. So yeah. let's go back in time when we first met. So mm -hmm. we first met when you were actually an executive on the, on this, as part of the C-suite at Wyndham Vacation Ownership all those years ago. So you and I immediately bonded. Okay. So just side note why we bonded. Besides a lot of other common interests, your last name is Schwartz and my maiden name is Schwartz. And so we instantly had that siblings from afar kind of thing. Right, right. But tell us about your role and what you were doing at Wyndham. Yeah. So I was chief communications officer at Wyndham Vacation Ownership. And uh, that's uh, that was the height of my career, my corporate career, I should say. And I, I kept that role until about 2017. But prior to that, I'd worked at Wyndham uh, for, I'd say, before you and I met, probably a good 12 years. Um, I started in New Jersey, actually, as a manager of communications uh, and was uh, relocated to Orlando to work for one of the newly acquired businesses of this large conglomerate called Sendin at the time. And it was at the time called Fairfield Resorts. It was a, a rather, I won't say modest operation, it was pretty large, but it had a, a brand that no one really knew about. And I was asked to, uh, to develop a communications infrastructure uh, for it. Um, and that's what I did. I worked for directly for the CEO. I sat on the senior management team which you know, really kind of was a happenstance moment for me. I, I started there as a director, uh, which is not simply or not usually the place where you would be finding yourself in the executive boardroom and reporting to a CEO. Um, but I made the case that the role needed to have a wide perspective of the business and they bought it and I leveraged it for as much as I could to help build an infrastructure there uh, and you know, start helping the business develop an appreciation for and an execution against the brand strategy. Um, so when we met Betsy, um, I was at, I would say, the height of my corporate career, so to speak. 
and I had about a um, hundred people uh, working for me in various capacities, uh, including social media, brand strategy, corporate communications, public relations. Uh, I did a little bit of lobbying while I was there and some government relations. So I was doing a lot at the time and you were brought in to help us figure out how to develop the next generation of business. If I, if I could say so, and you could put more into that than I could at the time, but um, I appreciated that you were a strategic thinker. You were thinking about the long term of the business, which is something that um, I, I think I brought to the business um, uh, in terms of my tenure. Uh, and I was interested in the way you were peeling things apart and, and willing to flip things upside down and look at things from a different angle. You mean your water uh, bottle thing? A lot of stuff like that. Signature thing. that. Yeah, that I would struggle, frankly, to have some of my colleagues on, on the um executive management team do as well. So I felt like I had an ally coming into the business, obviously as a consultant, but someone who also would begin asking the questions that I was asking uh, in terms of, you know, outfitting the business and ensuring that it was prepared for the future. So uh, so that's how it began. And uh, uh, here's where we are. So, okay. So people might be listening. Okay, Adam, this is great. You're at the top of your career. Why in the world? You're on, you're on, you're not just advising the C-suite, you're in the C-suite. Why would you possibly leave a job like that to do your own thing? Like, what was it? Was it an instant that you said, all right, I want to do this? Or was there a discontent that had gone on for a while? Like, how did you get from there to having a coaching business? Yeah, there's a lot there. But I can tell you that, um, you know, first and foremost, I I had a great experience at Wyndham. I can say that in, in the business itself, everybody can look at past jobs and say, yeah, here's what was great. And here's what was all screwed up. And sure, I could talk about that, too. But by and large, you know, I feel like I accomplished a lot, not just me, but the team itself. We did a lot in the 15 years that I was there. We took a business that uh, we I won't go into the details, but we basically doubled the business. Uh, we extended it all over the world. I was a part of all of that and in many cases helped lead some of that parts of that. Uh, I, I, I felt a completeness about that, that, you know, as I could see that things were changing and potentially coming to an end, um, I, I'm not sure if I was okay with it, but I went with it. I trusted it. Uh, and sure enough, the things that I felt were happening, the changes in the business that would ultimately lead to my departure did unfold just as I thought they would. Our CEO at the time, who was my boss, left. Uh, that was kind of a signal to me that, you know, perhaps my tenure was going to come to an end. When you work very closely with a leader in the C-suite, especially a CEO, um, you know you you ride alongside for all of his or her battles, and you don't necessarily have the same amount of protection. So, uh, so it's a bit of a tough spot, but that's just the nature of the game, really. And uh, and I understood that. I uh, after my CEO or CEO departed, uh, I was uh, asked to report to another colleague of mine on the senior management team. And while he was a great guy, just totally different styles. And it was very obvious to me that this wasn't going to work. Right. So, uh, yeah, it didn't work. And a few months into that, it was obvious to me that it didn't work. And uh, the business wanted to make a change. And uh, I was content to go to go forward with it as well. Uh, That's a very wonderfully um, politically correct kind way of saying, yeah, they wanted to fire me. And uh, and and that's what they did. And uh, and I left. Uh, That's uh, an interesting time for me to reflect on. Uh, but one that you know I've had to own and not try to sugarcoat. You know, the reality is is that the business is moving in a different direction, uh, and I knew it. And so leaving was bittersweet in one sense, and in another sense, I knew that you know this road had come to an end, 
And I needed to find a way to get right with it because what was going to come after was likely going to be much different than what was before. So now um, I'm remembering when you and I actually reconnected. So my project had ended in which I did not participate in how all of that shook out. Just FYI, as a consultant, that was not my recommendation. Right. They went in a different reason, direction. Part of the reason why I'm not with the company any longer is because they decided to go in a different direction than both of us thought was the right. Yeah, so right you, you, you collected your fee and, and went on and I, you know, kicked up a storm, bitched and moaned and did what I usually do, which is speak the truth. And uh, some people didn't want to hear it, but that's okay. That's okay. So I know that they gave you an outplacement firm because I remember yeah. talking to the head of that outplacement firm yeah. and he told me he was working with you. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And I texted <laughs> you and I'm like, oh, no, 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 Adam, you're going to go do your own thing. And you're like, hmm. So yeah. uh, tell me a little bit about how you went from, I think I'm going to go find another C-suite job to, because you could have blown me off and said, oh, that's funny, Schwartz, ha, ha, ha. But why you decided to go with it and said, hmm, maybe there's something here. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I knew this inside before I knew it up here. Okay. I, I, you know, the question that you asked earlier is, you know, how did you know you, or how did you kind of get right with not being in the C-suite? I know your question wasn't so much, why did you leave Wyndham and not decide to go back? I mean, obviously that decision was made by me for somebody else or, or for me by somebody else. But knowing that I didn't want to get back into another corporate level job was something that I felt in here, but I didn't really understand up here. Um, I just knew that it wasn't it wasn't for me to, to try to do this again, both because I felt like I had accomplished enough, but also I just couldn't imagine myself starting all over again and hoping to have an experience that somehow eclipsed what I just did. Uh, you know, to me, it was like the chapter was closed. I wanted it to end on that note. By and large, 99% of my experience in my corporate career was fantastic. I mean, no one likes it to end in circumstances uh, that you don't necessarily orchestrate all on your own, but either way, it had to end, and I didn't want to leave a bad taste in my mouth there. But I also knew that I, you know, I just I, I did not have the energy enough inside of me to to and the willingness, more importantly, to dive back into some type of corporate life. And I spent a lot of time not understanding why or trying to figure out why I felt that way, but not knowing how to translate that into something else. And that's when you came along and started pointing me in a direction towards, yeah, you can, you've got enough in terms of your history, your experience, your talent, your expertise to bundle that up and do something on your own. And, and that was really a, a, you know, a light bulb moment for me because uh, it, it, it started me on the path that has continued until now and continues to, and is what I'll talk to you about today, which was really trusting myself, really just looking inward and saying, okay, wait a second here. I, I've got what it takes. And, and, you know, maybe what I need more of is just to trust more of that. Uh, and, and you started a process with me, which I don't think either of us knew where it would lead, but it was much more compelling and more interesting to me than if I would have immediately started to send my resume out to different, you know, corporate jobs that were available and uh, start chasing that again. Um, that just, you know, the two opportunities for me felt in stark contrast to each other. And one of them, uh, the one that you were encouraging me to do, uh, really just spoke to this. Um, and I have to say, because I, I know there are folks out there that you know, will ask, okay, well, you know, how did you do that? Not everybody has that liberty to, to be able to make that pivot. Some people just need to get back in the saddle and need to collect a paycheck again. And that's true. And I had a nice cushion. 
Um, but I know many of the folks that I coach today also are building a nice cushion. And, you know, I would tell them if they're not content, what is that cushion for? Is that cushion not there for you to make the pivot? Because right. that's the realization that I needed um, in order to trust myself was to say, okay, rather than keep building upon this treasure that, you know, I'm starting to amass finally after 20 years of work and saying, I can see the end of the tunnel. I can see if I can just continue to, to build upon this, how I can retire in total comfort and live like a king for the next 30, 40 years or whatever it is. I know that that's a bit facetious, but um, that's what we start thinking. We start thinking to just continue to build the pile and we don't realize that pile is there for us to use. And I understood in that moment, this is the time where I need to invest in myself. I need to lean on um, what I've accumulated and, and use that to make my next turn rather than just foolishly keep trying to add to the pile, uh, which was not something that was going to make me happy. Let me ask you a question on this one because I want to I want to probe a little bit more here. So I have this unintended theme that seems to be coming out of this getting started series that I'm doing on the podcast channel. So our conversation is part of this getting started and consulting and coaching series. And I did an episode a couple of weeks ago on on confidence. And as I did the research for the episode, I realized what confidence is versus what I thought it was versus what I think it actually is. And I thought at the beginning, confidence is more like that relaxed self-assurance, you know, like that kind of, you know, the X factor when somebody walks into a room kind of thing. And it's more about self-esteem or an emotion. And as I started doing research for the podcast and I started having the conversation, I realized like trust is about confidence in yourself. Like, I mean, it's confidence is about trust in yourself. Mm-hmm. is it's not trust. Like, I really wonder at this point in time, was it your trust in what you had accumulated that allowed you to take the move? Or was it the trust in yourself that you could take all of the stuff that you had in your past that I just activated that trust in yourself that you can do this? Like, for example, for me, I didn't have a cushion. I, I started my business right after a divorce and I lost everything. I had $200 in the bank, mm-hmm. but I trusted myself. Mm-hmm. I trusted my background. I trusted my skill sets. Is it trust in the accumulation of what you had, or was it trusting yourself that I could use what I had in the past or, and, or is it the trust in yourself that I can manage emotionally, whatever comes next, if I go down this path? It's a fantastic question. And it's such an important question because to me, the answer is hundred percent clear. It's the latter. It's trusting in you. It's not trusting in what you've accumulated. It's not, it, I mean, you know, the minute you start thinking about, okay, can I trust in my expertise? Can I trust in this? Can I trust in that? Like from, from the standpoint of saying these are tangible things that I acquired, you're again, measuring yourself against a worldly standard that, you know, I just wanted to get out of, I don't know about anybody else, but I just, I didn't want that crap. I didn't, I, I was tired of, of, you know, getting up and doing what I did to, to curry the favor of other people and have somebody else say, well, you've done enough. No, I, I can tell when I've done enough. So to answer your question, you know, it, it really, it's great to have skills. It's great to have all that. I mean, that's what we're doing here in terms of building careers and working. And I expect that every one of your listeners has their own skill set and their own expertise and their own tangible things to lean upon. But that's not going to get you to, in my view, at least, that that wasn't going to get me over the hump of being able to do what I needed to do and what I knew I could do. It really was all about trusting myself. What I do, and I hope I'm not leaping ahead here as a co- in terms of this discussion, but as a coach, I mean, ultimately, that's really what I'm helping deliver to my clients is the ability for them to know themselves, 
to love themselves and to trust themselves. Mm. Because at the end of the day, you know, and, and this is break these three things down because it's it's it sounds really nice. It's a great soundbite, but they all three of these things really mean something, and they mean something in this order in particular. We don't take enough time to know who we are. And I'll go back to what I was saying earlier. We're we're trying to be somebody, and this is probably true of all of us, that is is liked and appreciated and ranked well by somebody else. So we're fashioning ourselves to be that person that someone else wants us to be. That sounds harsh, but that's just true. And that's not, you know, I'm not the only person that's recognized that. Um, you know, there's a, there's a quote that I like to reference because I want to get it right. I'm going to look at it. It's by Ralph Waldo, Waldo Emerson. And he says, you know, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else and someone else. Ooh, say that one is, again. Is the greatest accomplishment. Wait, it's Ralph Waldo, Ralph Waldo Emerson. To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment, right? So in order to be yourself, you've got to know who you are, right? And that means you've got to, you've got to really take the time to examine who you are. And that's a constant lifelong journey. And it's a beautiful thing to discover, but it is entirely different than the world that most of us live in where we are constantly looking at ourselves through the lens of other people. We're wondering how others view us and not looking cleanly and honestly at ourselves and asking ourselves, who am I? And then do I love myself, right? Do, do I accept who I am? So and know yourself, then love yourself. Know yourself, love yourself, and then trust yourself. And why is trust yourself last? Because trust yourself, that's where you put this into action. That's where the culmination of knowing who you are, loving you, are accepting it and saying, look, I am who I am and I'm good enough. Trusting yourself, in my view, is the toll gate that passes you through. Now I'm taking this and I'm actually doing something with it. It's not enough for me to just say it. I can put myself out into the world and I can know that, you know, I'm going to be fine. It's all going to work. And, you know, that is a mental journey. It is a, an emotional journey. It is not uh, looking at all the skills you have and measuring them up against what other people may have and saying, okay, can I compete or not? I mean, those things need to happen, but really first and foremost, you have to come to that exercise with knowing who you are as a person. And that means, you know, all the things, who you are is what you want to be in life, what you, what you aspire to be, what you have been. Um, it's being comfortable, not just, it's being comfortable with where you are today entirely and okay with it. In the same way that I was comfortable being unemployed for the first time in my life, sitting out, looking at, thankfully, I mean, blessedly, the water, I, I was living at the beach at the time, but really wondering, what am I going to do? I mean, it's not just me in this world either. I have three children, right? Uh, well, two of which have special needs. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not just me steering a ship of one. So it's not as if I didn't have pressure. Um, but I needed to start with the basics and the basics were rediscovering who I was, accepting who I was, trusting that, and then thinking about, okay, where can I apply myself uh, and how can I translate that into, into meaningful work uh, and into work that supports me and supports my family and the things that I want to do in life. There's so much that you're sharing here. You know, like that's a brilliant little piece of wisdom of just the know yourself, love yourself, trust yourself. 
But what I love about it is it comes out of your own lived experience. Mm -hmm. So out of all the people that I've worked with on the brand messaging and positioning, you have the dubious honor of the one that has taken the longest to get <laughs> to that clarity because we started working, as you mentioned, in 2017. Mm -hmm. And there could have been an op and your website is finally launching that we just finished. Um, I think it's in the next couple of weeks or so. The website will be launched. a year. It took like a year for me. Just, just on the website. This right. not even on all the branding. We did the brand messaging and positioning for years and years and years. And then we worked on the website for the past year. But what I love about it is you really, especially going from such a big transition from the C-suite to a coach. I remember that moment because at the beginning, we were thinking about creating a consulting business off of your ability to handle the politics and and all of that kind of horizontal leadership and talking about that. And there was a moment that you said, uh-uh, I'm not doing that, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I need to take the pause even more, you know, how did you give yourself that grace to take the pause, like the real pause to process. And I know that there's other things that were going on in your life that was outside of your career. You had gone through the loss of your mother. You had gone through a divorce. There was mm -hmm. other things that were there, but how did you give yourself the grace to say, you know what? I'm not going to recreate my career. I'm going to transform myself. And then I'm going to figure out my business model. I don't know. I mean, I, I know and I don't know. I mean, I still look at it and I feel like it's a miracle. Um, because I feel like there were so many things in my mind that were telling me, no, I need to get up and I need to polish off my resume and just start sending it out or I mean, there are plenty of times where I woke up and I just felt terrible about myself. And I felt like I, I should be doing things that I wasn't doing. And uh, at the time, you know, I was starting to make a spiritual journey that, you know, I just hadn't in my life before. And I was starting to, you know, just, just read different things that, you know, I don't want to credit all of my turn to a book that I read or one thing or another, because oh, I've got lots. Of... We know which book. No, 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 that you don't. No, that's not even it. It's at not this that. Point, no, I'm well beyond that. now. That's oh, okay. Alan Watts, by the way. That's Alan Watts. <laughs> Alan Watts was the first person I started reading. But the reason why. Believe me, I know. I have all of your Alan Watts books that you've been sending. You, you yeah, would hand yeah. to me. Read this, read that. I mean, I'm well beyond that now. But okay. what I, what I love is the central teaching of all of these uh, I'll call them teachers because there's no other way really to, to refer to them, but authors, some, some are referred to as gurus, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they turn you back to yourself in the same way that, you know, that I think we're speaking today. Um, I've not found salvation or truth in something that somebody else has said, other than just pointing me back to me and, and really examining my own heart and my own self and, and, and finding out what was there. And trusting that, uh, and I know that that may sound real rudimentary and basic, but the bottom line is, is that that is what gave me the grace to to keep searching and to keep at it, and not necessarily—I won't even say necessarily—not to sacrifice and sell myself short for something that didn't fit me. And and that continued on even in the work that you and I were were starting to do together. And at times where I paused and said, "Okay, really don't think I can do that." That was. That was me responding to some kind of discord in myself saying that that's that's really not what I want to do. Um, and I I had the I'll look back on it now and I'll say wisdom at the time. I might have said stubbornness, stupidity, whatever you want to call it, because it sure didn't feel like wisdom. But somehow I didn't allow myself to do something that was counter to what I felt I needed to do. And I will tell you that the 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 measuring stick that I use for that 
is the is do I feel resistance? Do I feel you know any bit like this is effort? I mean, I I, I got to tell you, Betsy, at forty nine years old or almost forty nine years old, I'm looking to have an effortless life, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that just sounds like people would look at me and say, yeah, you know, good luck, but That's I'm good. living it. I mean, I'm living it to the best I can. And I am, and the things that I want to do professionally, I don't want it to be hard. I, I want it to be easy. The, to clarify too, what do we mean by this? Cause I'm hundred percent with you. Cause this is everything that my business model is all about is it's not like there's not challenging moments. Like you're trying to dig in right now to put the finishing touches on your services page. Learning copywriting is not easy. It's a new skill. And other things that you have to do to hit play on your business or to attract clients and all of that kind of stuff, it's, you know, it's not simple, but when you're in flow means I'm in alignment with who I am. I'm going to use my gifts. And like right now you could say, technically I'm working, but I'm having a chit chat with one of my favorite people in the entire world. This is so, exactly. so it's like, am I, am I working or am I in flow? Right. Um, let me ask you a question. I want to go back. I want to pose a theory on what gave you that grace. And if I remember correctly, it feels to me that what it was is that I think you recognize that you weren't in a career transformation. You were in a spiritual transformation. Yep. And when you own that, it was a spiritual transformation. Then it was like, all right, I need to. And that's when you decided I want to go get a coaching certification because there was a little inkling and you knew that I want to work with people one-on-one. That's what made me that out of all the things I did at Wyndham, all of the amazing projects and all the people I led, it was the one-on-one interactions when I could help somebody individually. And I'm going to grab that one piece that I loved and I'm going to go do something more with it. So I think that there was that recognition of that moment as I'm in a spiritual transformation, I'm going to take the one part I know I loved and I'm going to go with that. Did, is this, am I, is this theory off or am I? Accurate? Well, hundred percent. It's not a theory. It actually, it is what happened. I mean, and, and, you know, going back to, I explained earlier what I did, I don't need to recount it, but you know, and a lot of leaders find themselves in this place where they just end up serving somewhat like as a consigliere, if you will, to, to other senior leaders. In my case, I had a very close relationship with our CEO. And, and I'm not saying that I was in on every single decision that that he made and you know, that I was responsible for, for any of it. I won't claim all any or all of that. What I will say is, is that on important things, he sought me out for counsel and they usually were the more difficult, you know, not problems that you would just bring in a consultant for, but things that had various layers of politics, of uh, sensitivities, et cetera. And he did that because he, as he shared with me, he said, you know, you have a knack for looking around the corner. And being able to see things before they develop and other people see them as, oh, that's here. You, you've been talking about it for three weeks already. And that's, I guess that's something that I do. Um, but he always encouraged me. In fact, you know, I had a lunch with him not long after I uh, left Wyndham. And he, without knowing what to call it, he, in so many words, said, you know, Adam, why don't you, you should go out and be advising CEOs. You, you should you should do what you did for me. Like you got to be able to make money off that, right? Like I mean, that was invaluable to me. Mm-hmm. Now, when he said that to me, Betsy, it went in one ear and out the other. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I just you know, and this is a guy who, you know, I mean, I, I this man is is great at finding talent and at, at building talent, and and I learned to trust him, you know, over the time that we worked together. But nonetheless, I just wasn't in the right headspace, and he literally went whoop, whoop, right out the other side. And here I am. I'm doing just that. I I found my way back to it. I don't think I ever really left it. I think he could just see in the same way that you could see what it was that I could do. 
he, I, because I've known him for as long as he did, I never forgot that he said that. And what you helped me do is, you know, formulate that, help, help put meat on that bone and understand, okay, what could that be? And between, you know, what, what he shared with me and just, you know, pointing me in that direction and, and you reinforcing that, validating it, calling it out of me painstakingly, you know, driving me back to that same conclusion. um, That's how I ended up where I am here today. Some of it though, is I think that this know yourself, know yourself, love yourself, trust yourself, that you can't go immediately from I left here and now I'm going to go be a coach and I'm going to trust myself. You went through the process. So you spent a good deal of time as a, in coaching training. So getting certified and then you, you got your feet wet, you know, that you went through the process of figuring out like, well, what's my coaching style? What's my approach? And you didn't sit there and second guess yourself. It's like, I'm learning how to know myself and you were okay in that in-between space. So knowing myself, accepting, you know, and loving myself, knowing myself, accepting myself, loving myself through this whole trial and error time period, which yeah. I think that that's a big part of it is trusting yourself now is, well, now you've got a certification under your belt refer us like you have a certification under your belt you've yeah. processed through so many different things you know and you've gotten experience one of the things i had a conversation with um another individual who left a, 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 co- a corporate job and started their business and we talked a lot about the importance of the grieving process mm-hmm. you know in this whole transformation work you know did you feel like you went through that where you had to let go of your identity you know as a C-suite executive and letting oh, yeah. go of your colleagues. And I built my career up. Did you have to go through that process to get to the other side of trusting yourself? In this? For sure. For sure. And it wasn't like, you know, I mean, grieving process, we think, okay, I went and cried for a weekend. Yeah. I, you know, that didn't happen, but, but <laughs> and that's not your personality. <laughs> no, but, but, but at the same time, you know, it's hard to let that go. It's hard to let go of who you are. I mean, I had a really important job, important, right. You know, um, and a lot of people who, even if they didn't like me, would listen to me because it had a consequence if they didn't, you know? So, I mean, you leave that place, you go from there to suddenly you don't have that. And, and that, that is a scary thing. And that is a moment of, you know, nakedness, if you will. Right. Because all that stuff just drops away and it's no longer you anymore. I think the interesting thing about it is, um, you know, the role of, being, I mean, in, in this, I'll see if I can get this out right, and, and you and others can can understand what I'm trying to say. Um, the hardest part about this is you now are your only judge. Mm. Okay, so so think of this for a moment. You spend, in my case, 20 years, 20 more than 20 years. You know, waking up in the morning and working for somebody, and you know, I know exactly what I'm going to be judged on. There's a scorecard out there. I know as I'm as I'm doing the work, whether I'm, you know, if I've got a boss that's giving me feedback, I know whether I'm up, down, sinking, but by and large, you know, I I don't have to worry about judging me. Somebody else at the end of the day is going to judge me. And so, so I don't, you know, I just do my work, do my work. I do my work. I may be in fear of, of what that judgment's going to be at the, you know, year end review or whatnot, but for the most part, you know, we do, and we expect to be rewarded and all that is, is fantastic. When that's removed, it may seem like in a sense, okay, great. Well, no one's judging you. Well, someone's going to judge you. There's going to be a louder voice in the room. That's going to be your own voice, right? So now you're not subject to somebody else's um, you know, thoughts on whether you're doing well or not. Now it's just you. And that I can tell you is a hard thing to get used to 
that was a very uncomfortable thing for me because I came face to face with my own harshest critic, which is myself. And there was nobody between us. There was, I couldn't sit there and say, well, you know, I may know that I'm sucking wind here, but eh, I'm still getting paid every day. You know, there wasn't that reassurance. That's not there anymore. Um, when that's gone, it can be a really lonely place. So yeah, you, you grieve what you lost, but you also have to adjust to being your own critic. And, and now, you know, you're guiding the ship based on feedback from one. So, and, uh, and that's a different shift that, okay, that takes so Here's what some people might be thinking guys. Oh, Adam, you're so cute. You haven't hit play yet on your website. You haven't started posting content because you definitely wind up with a lovely arena of people. I just relaunched my website and believe me, I got tons of unsolicited feedback about everything <laughs> from that one. So there's a lot of other people who are going to speak into it. So how do you balance like the reality of being out in the arena and you're going to have the critics as, as Brene Brown likes to talk about versus just having you really being the audience of one that you're just trying to please. Like, how do you balance that reality? Or well, how do you I imagine also, you're going to balance it? Cause you'll get the critics just like the rest of us who are out there putting out content and doing stuff. I mean, how I get through it is I, I don't care about what other people think anymore. I mean, the, and where I'm going with this, Betsy, you know, you pointed something out to me uh, during our work together, this, this, um, this rebel um, characteristic that I have or archetype, if you will. And this is where this comes into play and, and is really rather useful. So yeah, I, I've been very critical of myself. Uh, I, I have taken the time to, to, to poke myself, you know, to, to shoot a bunch of holes in myself over and over again. Uh, and I'm done with that. And now that I'm done with that, I really, I don't care what other people think. Um, and I, I think all of us have to embrace that. That's not me just saying, hey, let me bump my chest here and give the finger to the world. I'm saying that all of us who who are doing anything meaningful in this world, whether it be on your own or whether it be on the job, you have to have confidence in yourself. And, and that includes being able to tune out the critics constantly and and knowing that, you know, there's criticism that is helpful and there's criticism that is coming from nothing else other than somebody else's own bag of BS. So um, you're able to be you anticipate you'll be able to be resilient to the critics because you could, took the time to go through your own, know yourself, love yourself, trust yeah. yourself process. So now it's like from the rebel side, it's like, whatever, I already did the work. I've already seen the elephant. I'm good. And I can move forward. Is that but accurate? I think, I, I think so, yes. And I think you don't even need just me to look at, to understand that, how powerful that is. And I mean, there are people all around us who are successful, and I use that, but then quotes because what does that really mean at the end of the day? But that are presumably doing what they intend to do in this world without apology. Um, you don't see those folks making apologies, do you? It doesn't matter whether you your fans are theirs or not. Um, you know, you have to be you, you, you have, and you have to be able to be you and understand that there are people who are not going to like you and who are going to want to be critical of you. And, you know, again, accept yourself as your own audience, really, at the end of the day. Um, I learned to do that in the in the silence of my own mind and in the place of not having people around me continuously telling me that I was good at what I was doing or even not good at what I was doing. I, I had to figure out how to handle myself and, and how to be an audience of one and how to be a kind audience and an accepting audience of one. Uh, so that that audience really, you know, that's my only cheerleader at the end of the day. It's me. And and I have to rely on that to power me through anybody's 
you know, any criticism that I may get. I'm honestly not worried about it that much. I mean, I can understand that, um, that it's a big thing for, for many people. I, I think at the end of the day, though, you know, if you're doing the internal work, what happens on the outside is not going to have much consequence for you. Wow, that's powerful. So with the, doing the internal work and the external work not being, or the external results not being as consequence, let's wrap up and talk about your business. Tell me what your business is. Describe your value proposition now in light of this whole journey. I help successful leaders win at the business of life. Um, what does it mean? To, who's a successful leader and what does it mean winning at the business of life? Well, versus I think winning what, in business. Look, I coach people that are in the C-suite. I, I'm not coaching people that are looking to necessarily eject from their jobs or are in a similar situation that I found myself in three or four years ago. Um, at the end of the day, I know that if I knew what I knew now, of course, I could still be working in corporate if I wanted to. I could jump back into corporate if I felt the need to. I'd be doing it a lot differently than I did before because I'd be doing it from a place that's frankly different than where I operated before. I've taken the time to understand what true power is and to be able to utilize that in a way that um, does nothing but good for yourself and everyone around you. Um, it's just a different way of, of handling oneself that you know, it's hard for me to explain because it's it's not a prescription that I would hand to somebody and say, here, go do this. Um, coaching is really about removing the internal interference that I think prevents us from being ourselves. Um, it's that second guessing that causes us to make a decision because we think it's going to be met with this person's approval or that, or it's going to look good on us and it's going to advance us in some way that uh, then becomes the goal as opposed to just doing the job and doing it well and doing it right. Um, I, authenticity is a hard thing to come by these days. I think people are naturally attracted to leaders who are authentic and are comfortable in their own skin, not just leaders, but people in the public too. We talked about this a moment ago. We look around and see who's making the world move. And I'll just leave it at that most generically. And these are people who are being themselves, okay? And like it or not like it, uh, you cannot make an impact whether that impact is intended to change the world or just, you know, change the group that you lead or the business that you're in or the project that you're working on, if you're going to do something other than be who you are, and if you're going to make decisions that are predicated on somebody else's thinking and not your own. So, you know, this is a different way, I think, of operating, I know, of operating in, in, any, in any setting, in any uh, capacity. In the business world, uh, I think it's incredibly powerful. And I know that because I worked alongside people in all of my 20 some odd years who did do that. Um, and I've, in my own reflections and in the work that I've done, I've figured out what that is that they have that I didn't, or I didn't summon in the many years that I was in corporate uh, as much as I could. And that I continue to see people with the opportunity to do so now. And as they do that, um, it's not really important where they go and how they, um, you know, may journey forward in their corporate career as much as it is how they feel about their experience and whether they feel themselves completely fulfilled in what it is that they're doing. Richness is not something that is measured on the outside. It's an, it's an inside job entirely. Um, and, and that equation has to be worked from the inside. There's nothing that you can do externally 
that's going to give you the satisfaction that you have when you feel like you are exactly in the place that you're meant to be doing exactly the things uh, that you're meant to do and not feeling any resistance or effort in the process. Wow. So much there. So if you are, if, so let's say there's somebody listening in who wants what you have, somebody's listening and say, I want what you're having there, Adam. How do they get a hold of you? What what can they? How can they find you as, when your website's ready? What's your address? Yeah, sure, sure. The website's easy. Schwartzcoach.com. That's S C H W A R T Z Coach C O A C H.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Adam Schwartz. Uh, Schwartz Coaching Advisory is, I think, how it's listed. Um, but either way, I mean, I this this world is smaller than we think it is uh, with social media and whatnot. I'm I'm pretty easy to find. How it starts? Do you have a question about? How, how we go through that or what else would you like to know? Oh, that was the first question. Thank you for answering it. So what's the first step of working with you? Do you, can they jump on a call? How yeah. Does- yeah. I mean, look, coaching is, is a very simple, straightforward uh, mechanism for helping people uh, change their behavior, change their attitude, uh, you know, basically do things differently than they've been doing thus far. Um, but coaching in and of itself as a practice really just, turns an individual back onto themselves. It, it basically, the lens that we use in navigating our lives, I think all of us can agree, we're looking outward. We're, we're trying to figure out where do I need to go? In coaching, we turn that lens inward. And we look at our own reactions to the things that are happening externally uh, as a means to change how we react to them and what we can do with them to effectuate change and to accomplish things that we otherwise couldn't. So it's it, it turns what is an external perspective into an internal one. And through that helps one develop a, an immense amount of power and control over their life that probably didn't exist, or at least they didn't know existed uh, before that discovery. So far, that is the best definition of coaching I've heard. It is so much more powerful than, hey, we just help people with forward focus and activate action plans. That's awesome. Yeah, and, I, got two, the- I got two wrap up questions for you. Sure. If you were going to go back in time and the guy who's about ready to get laid off, you could talk to him, you know, what would you say to him? Uh, I would say breathe first and foremost. I mean, if, and, and, and also, you know, trust your intuition and your gut on things, but, but breathe, allow things to play out a little bit. I mean, I, I really think, you know, one of the things that has helped me uh, that I've learned just to do. I think it came intuitively, but now I practice it uh, uh, as much as I can. It's just to lay off on on things that happen. Give myself some time, some space. So and lay off on the fold. layoff? Is that what you're saying? Could be. But I mean, I just look, if you sense, I mean, I can go back to the place where I was before uh, before the changes occurred in my life. I knew what was coming. I mean, there, there, you feel it in your bones. You feel it. You just, you feel these things. I'm not the only one. I mean, that, that's... The self doesn't lie, right? The, the, the internal compass will not, will not uh, point you in the wrong direction. If you're feeling that something is coming, it probably is. But to panic and to try to avoid that in some way is probably not, it's not what I would advise anybody. Um, change happens. And at times there's, there's a time in life to let go of the wheel and allow it to just move forward. Because what you need to be more focused on is, you know, are your feet firm on the ground, not what are your hands doing to try to grab and clutch at whatever it is that, you know, maybe, maybe changing in, in your midst. Um, stay in one place, practice some stillness, 
wait it out a little bit. Give, give yourself an opportunity to reflect um, and, and focus on what's happening in front of you and, and prepare yourself, you know, for some internal time and, and, and to look inside and to understand what's next for you. Um, the best thing I didn't do was just immediately run to the next opportunity. I had opportunities. I had interviews shortly after I left Wyndham. People, the phone rang. Uh, and I got to tell you, I mean, I did terrible. I did terrible because I almost think I, I did. I self-sabotaged them. I mean, I just, I wasn't into it. I wasn't into it. And, and thankfully, I didn't, I didn't look at those opportunities as failures on my part. They were really just kind of test cases to know whether I wanted to stay in that realm or whether I was ready to let go. Um, and again, like I said, my, my head might have felt one thing, but the rest of me was already moving on to something new. And uh, I just needed to give myself some time to adjust and accept that. So is there anything else you want to tell me about your journey from C-suite executive to C-suite coach? And I just didn't ask you the right question. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think, I think you asked great questions, Betsy. I think if there is a question missing, we can do a part two, <laughs> uh, which I would love to do. And uh, I, I'm just, I really have to say that I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the part that you've played in this journey for me uh, because I don't feel like I'd be here without it. And, you know, you asked earlier about, or you mentioned earlier that I've read some books and who hasn't, right. And we all have our folks that we look to that are a great inspiration. Um, There are people in our everyday lives uh, that serve an even greater purpose than, you know, somebody we may be looking at on LinkedIn or, uh, or an Adam Grant or whomever it is that's, you know, that's, that's whole, that's a thought leader today. Uh, there are people around us who in big ways and in little ways um, are there to help turn us in the right direction. And uh, you'll know that if what they're doing is turning you back to yourself and, and encouraging you to be who you are and giving you the time and the space and the encouragement and the support to do just that. And, uh, and that's a very big part of, of why I'm here today with you, Betsy, is you've, you've done all those things for me. And uh, I, I'm eternally grateful. Well. You're not supposed to get emotional on a podcast or (laughs) YouTube. Um, So I'll have to wrap it up here. But thank you so much for sharing your journey, not just here, but sharing your journey with me and allowing me to be a part of it and be that. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review Enough Already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at BetsyJordan.com. And it's Betsy Jordan with a Y. And you'll learn all about our end-to-end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait. Start today.